Tom and Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Yeah. How are you, Lorenzo? Great. Fantastic. Yeah. We're getting this done on a Wednesday, which is pretty good for I us. <laughs> it's still a day late. And for I that, know. We kind of but we, we, we're we're bumping things yeah. up little by little. Um... Anyway, uh, we're back. We have lots to talk about, actually. We have um, TV stuff to talk about and movie stuff to talk about and fashion stuff to talk about, which I love when we hit all the, you know, pop style opinion fest. We live up to the name. So um, we're going to talk about House of the Dragons, uh, the latest episode, Driftmark, which deviates rather wildly from the books. I... Uh, if you heard us talk uh, our last week's podcast, I said that I had seen the screener for this episode and that um, I love, love, love the ending. But before we launch into that, we're also going to talk about um, Bros, the romant- the queer romantic comedy that uh, premiered last weekend starring Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane and all the rather heated rhetoric surrounding the film um, mm-hmm. in the days since. And then finally, we're going to... I, I, we're going to talk about fashion because I had a moment with fashion, um, during this, this past week where, you know, Paris fashion week is going on right now. And I saw a show and I did not get a chance to talk to Lorenzo about it, but in the, and we're going to get into this, but I looked at this one very, very highly publicized show and I was like, oh God, this is why people hate fashion so much and it's so hard to defend this <laughs> stuff. So we're going to talk about that and also not coincidentally um, the world famous fashion designer known as Ye or Kanye <laughs> West um, and all the funny little business he's been doing this week. But first, let's start with House of the Dragon episode seven, I believe, Drift Mark, yes. which um, is ostensibly the funeral for Lena. I was going to say Valerian, but I guess Targaryen is her last name. She's been she had been married to Damon and had two children by him. Um, I know, like oh, two children. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's start with this. The in fact, let's start with the actual start of the episode, which was, I have to say, a stunningly photographed, costumed, um, framed everything mm. about it. The funeral scene was beautiful the whole hypnotically was, beautiful was beautiful i had to adjust my eye a little bit because there's been a lot of complaints about the yeah uh, i mean and i understand it was the very darkness dark of the episode uh, but let's start with that funeral um you thought it was gorgeous it, right it's the whole the whole thing was beautiful yeah uh beautifully staged yeah um it the whole it um uh, i guess eulogy was given in old valerian by her um uncle i can't remember her uncle's name um and I couldn't not. I couldn't help but think about um, the Rings of Power. It's inevitable that these comparisons are going to be made, and and I will state once again, I love both shows for being right. alternatives to mm-hmm. each other. You have the colorful Tolkien world, and then you have the much starker George R. R. Martin world. But um, I I understand sometimes why people gravitate towards House of the Dragon over the Rings of Power because ha- that's like a freaking Vogue editorial. It, was, it is yeah, so it was beautifully beautiful, yeah. stunning. It's a stark sort of beauty. It's not like the lush beauty of, of Tolkien. Um, but I was really, I thought it was a breathtaking scene. However, the whole time I'm like, gosh, I 
wish I gave a shit about this character who had, what, 10 total lines in the series? She was right. played by three different actresses in three different episodes. So there was no connection. And no connection, yeah. I will admit that that death scene last episode was extremely, you know, poignant, touching, sad, whatever. But, and this funeral, beautifully shot. But again, because of these time jumps and these constant recastings of certain characters, it's hard to get that invested. I'm like, all right, everyone's, I guess, sad. I don't know. Did she have relationships with any of these people? I have no idea. Yeah, it's, it, 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 you enjoy the episode in the moment, but at the same time, you're like, oh, okay, you have kids. I didn't know you had kids. Uh, and then, oh, you married. Right. Okay. Everything go- is going so fast, and, right. and, and they're trying to explain and justify why it's going so fast. But still, uh, you don't have enough time to, to make a connection with these characters. I agree. And, and feel for them, and, yeah. and then feel, you know, feel bad that they died, and so on. Um, everything is moving so fast. I'm afraid in the next episode, you know, everyone's going to be Bernie 80. is going to be a grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> um, ironically, have I agree with you on that, but ironically, I have to sort of complain is that the first almost half of this episode is so slow moving because it's literally just the family at the funeral all standing around looking right. at each other on that terrace that was getting, the lighting was getting worse and worse. Um, and it was, you know, you got some interactions there that, you know, reaffirmed some things, but it, it really, really dry. It was basically Rhaenyra, I fucking Damon during his wife's funeral, which just right there tells right. you how screwed up that family is. Um, but, and but I did like the fact that it, it felt like a family uh, funeral. It did. Everyone was miserable. Dysfunctional. Everyone, and yeah. some hating some, and you know, just right, just like a. a typical family gathering i think it did it, it feel that way a little bit i agree with that um i just feel like it went on too long um and uh all you really got was that um Rhaenyra is still horny for damon and that's weird but it's anyway, so weird but and that allison can't even stand her can't even look at her like right right just that whole she was just shooting daggers at her from across that that terrace or whatever they were on um, and that you can tell that most of the kids in that family are completely traumatized because they know how fucked up the family, like her, like Rhaenyra's sons, like they're just fucked, <laughs> fucked for life because the entire court knows that they're not legitimate to use their term- terminology. Um, and that's just going to obviously pepper everything that happens to them and that they do going forward. I'm, I don't really think I'm giving anything away by that. And um, no, and I think you made the point, and I kind of agree with you that they're they're trying to move towards that, that the that adulthood of those kids, those kids, so they they can start fighting, and and you which know. makes me wonder if they're recasting Rhaenyra and Alicent uh, to be you know middle aged, like when those kids are adults, yeah, because be. I don't really think Emma Darcy and um, what is it Olivia Cook mm-hmm. could could really pull off playing people in their forties, um, maybe, but that would take some age makeup. Okay, so moving on from that boring, boring funeral in which it also is implied that um, King Viserys is going senile. Um, well, he, on top of everything else. Yeah, well, he's been played that way. So. <laughs> I mean, he's just, I, it's amazing to me that he still has all four limbs. I know. Because, I, you know. It annoys me a little bit the way they, they're. They overdo it. That's they're not how it was it. in the book. Yeah, I mean, he's almost like, come on, dude. <laughs> he's just way too and, much. I mean, lost okay. in his own world, and right? And and the physical 
I get that they're, you know, whatever, they're making a point about his physical deterioration, but um, uh, Matt Smith is supposed to be his younger brother, and he's not supposed to be his younger brother by 50 years. Right. Like, they are have aged Viserys up, and I get part of it is skin disease and, and whatever else he's got going on with him, whatever infections he's fighting. But the, it, it's weird how they have treated age on this show. Um, because they're going so fast. They're going so fast, and they want to keep certain actors and not keep. It's right. Just, it, 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 it's hard to keep up. And Sir and, Kristen is looks exactly the same, but um, you right, know, right. He she was a teenager when she slept with him, and now uh, she's thirty years old or whatever, and he looks exactly the same. <laughs> it's just weird. Like, what are you doing? I don't understand this. Yeah. Um. I, I don't get me wrong. I really do love this show. Oh my god, I, I absolutely love. This I episode. do. I love. I mean, the, I was, and I did love this episode. Yeah, I yeah, it was hard. Yeah, like I said, you had to adjust your eye, and sometimes I couldn't see anything. But I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I just went with. Well, it. Well, um, I didn't care so much about the Damon and Rhaenyra stuff. It it had to happen. We knew it was going to happen. Right. So all right, let's go ahead. Fuck on the beach for your wife's at your wife's funeral that's what you two are that's what you always well, have that's been. what they are they're horrible um, both of them and we'll get into what they decided to do later on in the in the episode but it really picked up of course when um allison and viserys's son second son Aemond, right mm-hmm. yes Aemond. Aemond yes. to target aegon is the older one who likes to get drunk and and fu- <laughs> fuck wenches um but the younger son, Aemond, who up until now has been um depicted as someone well first off he couldn't um get a secure dragon and he seemed to be afraid of them which makes his actions in this episode a little inexplicable right. to me and, and like he ran away from a dragon right and but he managed to like i don't know what do you call where it? did like, that come from though yeah. that sudden turn and where you're like all right but i whatever i guess they were trying talk to talk make- to the dragon i guess that's what i'm trying to say here the vagar right yeah vagar which is uh lena was lena valerian's dragon which, and is the largest dragon which in i don't the world. understand so he just claimed that the, the that's dragon how it that's happens. it oh god that's how they get their dragons that's weird so That's, it's not part of the family, like the family had. Well, he is part of the family. You have to be Targaryen. Well, true, yeah. But um, it's just weird how he just claimed the dragon. And they all. I mean, my understanding is that's how it goes. Right. Dragons are committed to one. Mm-hmm. They, you know, so and and Vagar was had no rider. I know in the books, I think sometimes dragons go decades without a rider. Um, but it doesn't ha- happen. But you, they don't have time. They don't have that. time for that. They don't have time for that. So it has to be at the funeral. Um, <coughs> pardon me. But I will say uh, the scene was ridiculously dark. Miguel Sapochnik, the um, director of the episode, that he loves to do this. He did the much criticized episode, "The Long Night," where they fought the. Um, uh, that was basically the Battle of Winterfell. I where know that everyone complained they couldn't see anything. Everyone is the same thing. He really likes these natural lit scenes. And what's annoying is um, I could tell, and then there was a, an article, I think, in Vulture that confirmed it, that it was what, it's what's called day-for-night shooting, which is they shoot the scene in the daytime, and then in post-production, they... They bring all the lighting down. Interesting, and because it does, what happens? Look natural. It's not natural because what happens? Well, first off, there's hard shadows on everyone's faces because they're standing in sunlight. But then you turn all that down, and well, who has a hard shadow on their face in moonlight? Not really. Wow, I didn't. I have to watch it again. It's (laughs) called Day for Night shooting. There is an actual French film called Day for Night. I remember how to watch it in film school. It is. I can't remember Michel Godard. I think it is. Um, Anyway. No, no, it's the other one. 
I can't remember. I shouldn't have brought that up because now I sound <laughs> stupid. But that's what it was. You, I, I could tell looking at it. I was like, they shot this in the in full daylight. And as the article in, in Vulture pointed out, you can tell because people are squinting right. in their scenes. But it's dark out. Like when you're on a beach at night, your eyes are <laughs> wide open like a cat in a basement. Am I right? <laughs> a cat you, in a basement. You don't squint. Um <laughs> So the whole thing is lent this weird, and and he defends it as natural light, and it's clearly not. Natural light would have been sunlight because that's what was going on there. Anyway, but that's interesting. So, um, anyway, despite the how hard it was to see some of those scenes, that scene with him um, taming Vagar was first of all, it was really tense, and I knew what was going to happen because I had read, but I was like. you thought this kid was going to get killed. And the kid did a fantastic job. The kid did a great job. The special effects on the dragon's face were spectacular. Right. Um, And the the tension was ratcheted really high. I was like, wow, I already know he's going to tame this dragon, but I am fearing for this kid's life. Um, And then the flight scene with him riding the dragon and everything. I do love that, that you kind of getting used to dragons, you know, because you saw... Well, that one scene at the funeral where there were like seven dragons all over Driftmark. I was like, this is is why no one can fuck with this family. Yeah, they're your pets, you know, like... They're also (laughs) nuclear weapons. Every single one of them are nuclear weapons. But I do love that, that... It's part of their lives, and you see them all yeah. the time. You know, not like Game of Thrones that you occasionally saw one now. Um, yeah, I mean, again, this is the difference between uh, the Rings of Power and George R. R. or Tolkien and George R. R. Martin is that at least the TV versions of his work have been reluctant to get too far into the fantasy stuff, even though dragons exist. They don't overplay it. And I think it works because when you had that shot of like, I don't even know, there were like seven, mm. five or seven dragons over Driftmark. It's majestic. It's like, oh yeah. shit, that's a lot of dragons. It's like, beautiful. It, yeah. Not just beautiful, it's scary as hell. Yeah, the power have- uh, involved uh, that you have these animals at your disposal. Um. Anyway, so, and it would have been great to root for Eamond overcoming his fears, but then <laughs> he know. had to dismount from this dragon and well, turn into the all, biggest I, dick yeah. in the family. I know. First of all, I'm like, okay, who are you again? Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Now uh, I know who you he's are. He's confronted by his cousins. First, he's confronted by his um, Elena's two surviving daughters. I'm sorry at this point. I will know all their names at some point, I but I, I'm not there First yet. of all, when they showed up, I was like, and, and who are you again? Well, they were in the previous I know, episode. but still, when, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's not a lot. Um, so, and I, and I know one is, oh no, Jacaris and yeah, Luke. Jacaris, yes. And Jacaris, Luke Harris. Yeah, but Jacaris is the one who those uh, are, um, got into a fight with him. Right. Those are, um, Rhaenyra's sons. But it was the younger one who actually took out his eye. It wasn't the older one. Jacaris is the one who. I don't know. I, you yeah, expect Jacaris, me to know. Yes, I don't the, know. Anyway. He's the one who slashed his eye. Yes. Yeah, so it turned into the big, this big fight where he's like punching little girls and he turns into a total dick. I know. Um, and then one of Rhaenyra's sons, Lorenzo will tell you, one of Rhaenyra's sons picked up the knife and slashed his eye and, and you know, basically took his eye out. Um, and that was horrifying to watch. And I thought all the kids played it really, really well. They when they were beating job, the yeah. crap out of him, I was really rooting I them know, on. But too. they were all really, really good. <laughs> and when the, you know, the dagger became part of the situation, you could feel the terror and the tension. So good job to all of them. It's... I would imagine it's very difficult to stage um, a brutal um, 
fist fight with children like that, fight scene with children, but it worked. It really did work. It didn't look silly. Right. Um, they fought like children. They didn't fight like martial artists or anything like that, but it also looked really well, brutal. They, they get married at the age of 14. So. Yeah. <laughs> younger so, than that. So they're not kids. They're never kids. <laughs> yeah. So, um, of course, this turns into a thing, and then it 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 gives you... Meanwhile, while this is happening... Um, Damon and Rhaenyra are having sex on a of course. on the beach in some sort of tent. I don't know. It just yeah, appeared. That's the thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, who left the sex tent for them? That was really thoughtful. <laughs> oh, my God. I had the same reaction. I was like, wait. Did some stoners leave that or something? Was, like, was there a festival? Was someone camping on the beach and yeah. left the tent? What is the, it looked like a basket, but whatever. It was, it was their fuck basket. Oh, my God. It looked like a basket. I agree. It did. Damon and Rhaenyra's fuck basket. I don't oh know. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It did look like a basket. Anyway, hey, anyway. I, I was that was my first reaction. I was like, wait, there's a, there's a tent or something? Um, anyway. And again, the scene was that scene was shot in quote-unquote natural light, so you could barely see any of of it although i will point out again that um they are really taking a different approach to sex scenes uh in this uh series as opposed to game of thrones right. it, it i don't want to take it too far but there was very much um it really felt like it was more from her perspective mm-hmm. uh, um and there wasn't nudity but there was much like the scene with rhaenyra and sir Kristen. Mm-hmm. sir Kristen, yeah um there was an undressing factor, which right. is, you know, that is just naturally erotic. It doesn't even matter who's doing it in, in the, but it's, it's just erotic right. to see people undress each other on camera. And it's a relatively slow a, and tender scene. Now it's creepy as shit. Cause they're uncle yeah, and niece. Of but, course. but you can see that both are participating. Uh, you know, that's the point of a uh, scene like that. Yes. Exactly. I, I, I kind of like that. Yeah. And, and I think she started the whole thing this time. Um, oh, she made it clear. Yeah. yeah. So, so I like that. I, you know, if you're gonna do I like it, that incest. <laughs> That's the right way to do incest, right? The right way to <laughs> in a fuck basket. You. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> they should have called this episode "Incest in a Fuck Basket." <laughs> I can't believe you with that. Oh, I didn't mean to get all so dirty. I did. I would. There should no, have been but, a warning, a content warning no, at the top but of the hour. But, but that's that's you have that's how you have to go. Yeah. You know, when it comes to this show, you it's just true. All right, we're we're really dragging this conversation out. So, um, the the centerpiece of the whole uh, episode, I feel, was the confrontation between Alicent and um, Rhaenyra in front of their entire family. Yeah. yeah. And several other families, the entire court, in the throne room at Driftmark. It was just a gorgeously shot scene, gorgeously staged scene, and the acting was off the chain. Gotta I mean, give it to Olivia Cook and um, Emma Darcy. Emilia. Olivia. Oh, it's Olivia Cook. I thought it was Emily Cook. I'm, I'm getting no. It's Emily, Emily Carey. I, yeah, I'm, I'm getting the old. I know, and but the older one is Olivia Cook. Yes, you're right. Sorry, that's fine. Uh, so Olivia Cook and. Um, and uh, Emma Darcy just tearing They're at each other. They're very good. They're yeah. very good. And Allison does a very good job. I mean, yeah. like showing her emotions, you know, like expressing her emotions and, and, and just going. I mean, when she charged with that dagger, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this now, is real. Much like with Sir Kristen, we're being asked to make these big leaps because, honestly, in a system like this one, she should have been beheaded. Yes. Or locked up in a tower or something because queen or not that is just not something the queen yeah you're attacking the heir to the throne yes you're you know defying the king because he told her to let it go like everything about i was like yeah 
okay, so she's really not going to pay a price for this, and we just sort of have to buy this. And I guess this is all another, you know, check mark in the story that Viserys is just a terrible king, terrible, you know, patriarch. Right. He can't keep any of it together. And and I, you know, I used to think, oh, he's in denial. I don't think he's in denial anymore. I think he's just this. He knows this is the only way he can control the family. It's kind of like let it go and and it's not his family is completely out of control but he's trying so hard to keep the family together otherwise you know if if he takes one side then then you know it all falls apart i think Mm. um anyway uh but you can clearly see in this episode the the um teams forming you know the black team and the green team and and, then you can see them you know starting to to i really form. don't know where the valerians sit corliss right. and uh Ryan, valerian where they sit in this now that they think that their son is dead um and let's let's move on to that the uh, if you have anything more to say about the confrontation scene i, I think it was beautifully stage acted um it was it, yeah i couldn't the, even the kids were great in it no i thought it was great but i couldn't help but think you know this kind of bizarre that this is happening you know like i i i don't know how can you do that and just get away with it and have no repercussions yeah, yeah. i totally that, agree i agree but again you just have to go with it and then you know enjoy the story and maybe these things would be more explicable if the story wasn't bouncing around and moving so quickly that's how they're I not feel. giving these these moments time to breathe right because i mean you have to go with it as i said because Allison went from like best friends and now they're like major enemies and right. and you know you didn't have a lot of time to no. to process that but it's just it is what it is it is what it is okay so moving on um uh Rhaenyra proposes to Damon um and says that they should burn together because they're creatures of fire and blah 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 and Damon points out that uh her husband Lenor would have to be dead for that to happen and she agrees and then we see Damon um cornering Sir Carl, who is Lenor's lover, and mm-hmm. telling him to basically assassinate Lenor. Although if you watch the scene, he's he's actually giving him instructions on how to stage an assassination right. and how they can get away. But my first thought was, oh, <laughs> there goes another homosexual. Well, I mean, again, <laughs> I knew this was coming because I, I had read the, uh, the summaries. And um, when Sir Joffrey Lonmouth, was that his name, was killed at the wedding and it turned into this whole discussion about uh, bury your gaze and everything. I was like, oh, Christ, this is all going to blow up again when they kill off Lanor. Right. So that's why I did this little fist pump. Uh, they, they, they really played against the audience's expectations in a beautiful way. It never even occurred to me. No. It was a perfect bait and switch. Um, now, uh, it's a happy ending for Lenor, and he gets to go away to, I think, at Pentos or Bravos or one of those places with Sir Carl. To and Homoland. And I guess he has to keep his head shaved for the rest of his life so no one can tell he's a Targaryen. Um, and he gets to live his happy homo life away from all that toxicity. And I wanted to get to this point. I think it's interesting how the show is trying to position Rhaenyra and, to a certain extent, Damon as the ones you're sort of rooting for just because Allison is so horrible. Right. Um, and Allison's children so far have been pretty awful. Um, whereas my nearest children are mostly likable and Damon's children are likable. Right. Um, however, Damon killed his first wife brutally on camera. Um, and while they did, uh, it seems conspire to help um, Lenor get away because just in case there was any doubt that this was the plan all along, is Damon kills the man that they use as the body 
do you remember there's a scene yeah, yeah, of Damon yeah. killing like a, a servant on a in, a in a stairwell, and that's the body that they use to pretend is right. Lenor's body. So, yay, happy you didn't bury your gaze, but they still killed a they servant. They killed someone. Yeah. They still killed a servant know, to do this. Um, it's a sort of quote unquote happy ending, but the morality of this world is so dark and awful that um, it's not really all that happy because someone died for it. And um, well, you happy that. Lenor is you're happy safe. that he's away from yeah, it, he's, but he's somehow he still took part safe, in yeah. a he he's right, still took right <laughs> yeah I mean there's still that dead body um but it's so but it's funny because the fandom so far as I can tell are really rooting for those two and I'm I just think it's funny because I'm like yeah they're they're really not that better than Alice no not really they're not nice people um now. first off that is a whole incest situation secondly there is a whole killing your wife thing killing a servant thing it's it they're not. Right. No. They make bad, terrible, terrible decisions that put the whole country at risk. And, and they're going they're gonna go after Alice and then the whole green. Well, I know. think it's full blown war at yes, this point. Exactly. I can't so, imagine that it's not. I mean, the one thing Rhaenyra said I was it actually was a great argument. She said, um, they're gonna think we killed him, mm-hmm. my husband. And if they think we're capable of that, imagine what else they think we're capable. In other words, it's a flex. It's like let's Let's stage my husband's murder and then let's marry, fuck them all, and let them talk because now they think we'll do anything. Right. And they'll be scared of us. <clears throat> so it actually is a rather smart move on Rhaenyra's part, but it's also born out of the fact that she's been want- wanting to do her uncle since she was 16 years old. Oh, L- God. Little weirdo. Ooh, anyway. Um, I can't wait to watch the next episode. Yes. Anything else? It was, no, th- we basically no, it was just good. We recapped it, but it, it was, was a good episode. No, it was good. I, I enjoyed the show very much. And like I said, people complain about the, you know, that the episode was too dark to see anything, but I kind of like, all right, here we go. And just adjust your eye. We turned every light and almost every light in our living room off to watch it on TV. Um, One final thing is I'm assuming they have a plan for this. But uh, in the books, Lainor is killed. Right. And eventually, Lainor's dragon, Sea Smoke, becomes someone else's dragon. But as this show pointed out, you have to be dead for that to happen. So how is... From Sea Smoke's perspective, his rider is somewhere out there, but not dead. And he can go after him, right? And, and he would, like, you saw the dragons following them in ships. Yeah, like, he would look for him, right? I don't think they're going that route, but it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. They're they're clearly willing to deviate from the story, and the story is bare bones in the books anyway. It's not fully fleshed out. Um, so... We'll see. But yeah, that does leave a, a, a either a hole if it goes unaddressed or just right. some dangling thing. Okay. Agreed. That went well, a lot longer than I expected. No, but it was a great <clears throat> episode. Okay. So. Moving on to Billy Eichner and Bros. Uh, we wanted to get out to see Bros before we talked about it on the podcast. But again, some scheduling stuff just didn't allow it to happen. Um, we, 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 part yeah. of it is our, our book... Uh, uh, it, the Spanish language edition of our yes, book has come see. out this month, and we have some, you know, minor, uh, you know, Promo responsibility, stuff, yeah. yeah, promotional stuff, uh, meetings, and things like that. So, it we didn't get to see Bros. Yes, but it is available in Spanish. Yes, and this is my order right now. So go get it. Um. So, uh, Bros. Um. It's a f- first. Uh, gay romantic comedy with two queer leads released, released by, by a, a major, major studio. studio. Yeah. And um, <coughs> as star Billy Eichner loved to tout in the months leading up to this film, that he really 
pushed that as a groundbreaking thing. And the other thing he pushed... Now, Billy Eichner was approached by the screenwriter, I can't remember his name, Stoller or something, uh, who was a straight man uh, who wanted to do a romantic comedy, who wanted to do that. He wanted mm-hmm. to do a gay romantic comedy with two gay leads, and he approached Billy, and Billy co-wrote the script. But then Billy was very much involved in in the direction of the film. The director is also straight. Um, and Billy insisted that the entire cast be LGBTQ actors, even if their characters weren't. And this was widely touted. And it was an opportunity for queer actors who don't get cast. And a, right. this point was being made. But I was like, okay. In the back of my mind, I was like, okay, n- neither of these things strike me as selling points. Not really. Um, not even the fully queer cast thing, because to me, that's just a stunt. That's not what I, uh, there's no inherent value in that, except you gave some act queer actors work, which, okay, great. Um, but the whole first studio, blah, blah, blah. In the wake of Fire Island, I thought there was something a little weird about how hard he was pushing that line, because, okay, Fire Island was a um, indie release, and it was done on Hulu, fine, but it, it it was very widely acclaimed. It was popular in its right. own way. And it was a full-blown romantic comedy. There was no... It was an Austin, um, you know, pastiche. So his whole his whole uh, take about how this film was so groundbreaking was, was a little wildly overstated as far as I was concerned. And listen, I'm a white gay man, so I can't imagine some, like, black trans person or, or black gay person, you know... Right. Not listening to that rhetoric and thinking, okay, well, you're really overstating things, white the reason, guy. <clears throat> the reason why Fire Island became much more popular is, A, it was uh, um, all Asian, or pretty much all Asian. Mostly, a- well, Mostly not, Asian. No, but let's say a lot of Asian. Asian-centered. Asian-centered, that's yeah. the best way It had several it. characters yes, in the center so that, of the story who were Asian. That's kind of first, a first. <laughs> it was. Uh, for many reasons, including as, you know, in a gay movie. Right. And, uh, and it was streamed. Yeah. So and people it was could watch it. Critically acclaimed. Yeah. And it really um, sort of captured the zeitgeist. People were talking about it for several weeks after its release. It did well by any measure. Um, but uh, Billy really wanted this to be a theatrical release and mainstream studio. Right. And I, I am not against pushing for those things. Uh, there's value in pushing for those things. But the thing is, he made that the main message of his, his pitch. He was on the VMAs presenting. And uh, this was what in uh, a month ago. It was in the beginning of September, and um, he said something about you have to go and see Bros and tell Clarence Thomas to fuck off or whatever. And I, this was you know right around the time Ro, uh, Dobbs was coming through and Roe was being overturned, and I was like, no, 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 Billy. First off, this is a terrible way to p- push a film. Right. Secondly, you are doing that white cis gay guy thing of taking other people's struggles. And sort of layering your own shit on top. Like, right now, let's worry about abortion being overturned and not whether your rom-com right, is right. sending the right message to to the Supreme Court. Everything was wildly oversold. Um, I, I should say here, I have always really liked Billy Eichner as a celebrity, and we follow each other on Twitter. He's very funny. I think he's hilarious. I've said this before to a certain extent about David Rose on Schitt's Creek. There's a part of me that's just always, always going to root for big, obnoxious, opinionated gay, right. gay white guys, because right. I see myself in them. There's just no way I don't see myself in them. I don't think I'm quite as obnoxious as Billy Eichner, but um, hmm. <laughs> I don't run down the street screaming at people. No, Let's joking. put it that way. But I think his whole shtick, his, his Billy on the street, is hilarious the few and i 
underline this, few times I've seen his acting. It's like on a sitcoms like Parks and Rec, or there was that one he did. I can't remember what it's called. Um, with his friend. Shit. Someone will correct me. Anyway, he's funny. He's not groundbreakingly funny. I always thought his acting was a little rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the appeal to you. Uh, maybe. And I'm trying... If I... I don't want to be mean. A lot of people were mean about his looks. My point to all the, our point to this whole conversation is that the movie did not do well in its first weekend. And Billy went and tweeted some things about how it homophobia is the reason why. And at the same time, there was this dual conversation in, among like gay Twitter and film Twitter about gay men not supporting the film enough. Mm-hmm. They were too busy going to see Hocus Pocus and blah, 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 you know, whatever. Or Smile, the horror film that came out this week that did really well. So there's a lot of finger pointing over this film and why it didn't do well. And in the backlash to it, uh, people were a bit mean about how Billy Eichner isn't a leading man or whatever. And I don't want to say that. I think there's a long history of rom-coms. Amy Schumer has done rom-coms. There's a long history of comedic personalities who don't necessarily have leading person good looks. Rebel Wilson has done rom-coms. So that's, that's Rogan, right? uh, Seth Rogen, right? Seth Rogen, exactly. He's the perfect straight guy. So I, I have no problem with him landing a hot guy in a movie because that's the form. Right. That is how it works. Um, you look at those Hallmark movies and the lead woman is always pretty, but the lead man is always ridiculously good looking. You know, there's always a, a slight because right. it's aspirational. That's what right. those stories you are. You write the story and you, you look for the most gorgeous person to I didn't mind any of character. that. Yeah. But I did think... There was an overselling of the idea that he could carry an entire movie, Billy Eichner, mm-hmm. because he hasn't. He hasn't done many mo- movies at right. all. Um, he's never done a lead. And I don't want to be mean, but good for them for casting an all LGBTQ cast, but they should not have expected a box office hit with those people. No, I mean, none of whom are names. Right. They were shooting for 10 million and they only got 4.8, I believe. Um, and the whole thing, like, with Billy, it's like, well, straight people didn't show up. I mean, come on, are you? Did you just arrive on this planet? I mean, straight people don't show up for a lot of gay things, yeah. queer things. They just don't. Yeah. Uh, we're and they said, well, you know, gays are accepted now. Gay marriage is accepted. Now. Yes, we're we're quietly accepted, <laughs> in a way. Uh, but people are not. Um, this is my experience as a gay man. Uh, most straight people. <laughs> will support you, but they won't actually walk the mile uh, to support you in a way. So they're not going to, I mean, they're not going to go to movies um, to see a, uh, to see two men kissing. Most, I'm not saying everybody, I'm saying most straight people. Yeah. Not, well, you can say yes in LA, yes in New York, but the rest of the country, do you think people are going to get in their, in their cars? That's the whole straight family is going to get in their car and go see two men kissing in a movie theater? No. The answer so is essentially no. Essentially, you are saying that what Billy said was correct. I, I, I think you're right for what Here's what, it's what I think. I think what he said is correct, but I would not blame them for it. That's, uh, and hand in hand with that, um, I just wish just, he hadn't uh, said it for his own sake. Right, right. Because this is something you can talk about a year later when you're doing a looking back on this film. But when it's the he said he tweeted this stuff out on like Sunday night of the weekend it was released right. when reports were coming out that it was like the fourth movie of the weekend. And that's not how you do it. I'm sorry, that's not how you do it right. at the time. You the movie is still in wide release. Rom coms 
are very, first off, they're very, they're, they're um, not a box office draw, not really, unless right. you have major, major names. In names, yeah. And I mean, like J-Lo had a rom-com out last year, and I think and, it and flopped. And it bombed, yeah. Yeah. So um, this, it's not a superhero film. I'm sorry to say yeah. it's not some big uh, IP or it's, it's not, not Top Gun. It's not Top Gun exactly. And we are still in a in a period where right. the theatrical uh, venues are still working to get themselves back to quote unquote exactly. normal. So all of this was a factor, and I just I it's not that I don't want him to to mention that there is a homophobia that underlies a certain amount of avoidance of these films. Absolutely. But now was not the time. You're still mm-hmm. trying to get an audience to go. And because he's Billy and he's obnoxious and he just shoots off his mouth, um, he really went for it in a way. As soon as I read it, I was like, this is going to be on fucking Fox News. You are just going to become a punching bag. And all they're going to talk about is what a failure you are because you reacted this way. And it remains to be seen how long this will go on. But that did happen. Um, he became like yeah, people were making a right wing yeah, yeah. punching bag, yeah. and there have been dozens of articles, quote unquote, explaining just as we are trying to do right now why the film was quote mm-hmm. a flop. This is bad press, and it's because he just couldn't say. I think it's a- well, we had a slow weekend, but I know people are going to find it because, and I sh- we should be in all fairness, the film has like a ninety percent something on Rotten Tomatoes, right. an A Cinema Score. It's very well received. So it's not a matter of it's a flop because it was a bad film. There's a reason why he said there that. Are, yeah, there are several reasons why the, the movie didn't make $10 million as they were expecting. Um, it's, you know, most people, a lot of people, and say most people, I, can't, I, I don't know the exact number, but a lot of people don't go to movie theaters anymore. I'm one of them. Uh, right. Especially after the pandemic. I mean, you're still adjusting to, you know, doing all these things. And, uh, and I tend to go to the movie theaters now. This is me. Um, when it's something big, like, you know, I agree. that you need a big screen right. to see Not it. Not for a rom-com. No, no. I wouldn't leave the house for that. I mean, unless no. I want to support him, blah, blah, blah. I did want to do it for yes. him. But and I still may. In general, no. I would watch it at home. So yeah. so I'm sure that when the movie gets to the your small screen, uh, it's going to do It'll well. It'll do very well on It would do very well, and people are going to appreciate your work. And I do appreciate that these things are out there, that they exist. Right. Uh, gay movies and queer people being represented. I think it's important, but it is the reality of it right Right. now in 2022 is that you can't expect a movie like this to do really, really well with everybody, including the entire straight community. No, you you can't. I mean, let's be real here. No, Um, no. And... Yes, I agree with that, and I also agree that um, you can't pitch your romantic comedy as some sort of political act. It's no, just, no, that's it's, your, that's not what it is. No, people still go to the movie theater to be entertained, <clears throat> uh, not necessarily for a major political reason or right. issue. I mean, you know, you, you buy your popcorn and you want to be entertained. Right. I, I wish Billy all the best, I really do, but he, I really think he mishandled this from the jump. Yeah, I and, mean, it, and it's unfortunate. In a large part, it was because his expectations were probably not particularly realistic. No, they weren't. Sorry I to say it. They but. got, they got to go. He got to go to all these places, as you mentioned, the VMAs and all that. Right. And spoke, and he was expecting something that I, you know, based on my experience as a gay man, not realistic, not yet. Um, and. Uh, I think he shot himself in the foot I, uh, because now everybody thinks it's a flop. But I think it, it had an opportunity to just quietly simmer for a week or two and maybe pick up word of mouth. 
uh, as a funny movie, but we'll see. Um, and I just want to say a lot of people, I saw a lot of queer people saying this, and I feel this as well. As much as I enjoyed Fire Island, and I did, um, I am not geared towards, you'll never find me eagerly awaiting a romantic comedy because that genre, my mm-hmm. whole life, I was like, yeah, that's that's about straight people. That's just not about me. Right, right. And even the most, char- there are a few that I could, tick off you know classics that i think are fun or funny or or high quality films but for the most part that entire genre passed me by as a gay man so right and one of the selling points to this this one was and maybe that's why this landed differently from fire island was about how it was just checking off all of the tropes of classic, classic, you know, you've got male style, Nora Ephron romantic comedies. And I was like, yeah, okay, who, I don't know a gay man alive who was waiting for that to, you know, that's, that's not pushing any buttons for me. Um, so I, again, I, I do want to see it in the theater, but I have to admit that it feels like an obligation, like it's something I'm supposed to do. And that's largely because it was pitched to me that way as a film. Right, right. I agree. Which is not a great idea. And if that's your pitch, well, then you're pretty much cutting straight people out of it completely. Um, and the thing is that he kept, and just to finish here, he kept hammering the same thing over and over again. And it's the first gay movie or gay rom-com in a major uh, studio most people don't even know what that means. No. I, um, I, and I said this on Twitter. I was like, you know, um, Midnight won Best Picture just a couple of years ago, and that right. was the love story of two black men. Um, that, to me, is more groundbreaking than yeah. this little stunt that you keep right. hyping oh, up. Oh, let's go to the movie theater, because this is the major, the, for the first gay right. rom-com, and you know, Fire produced Island was by a major out, studio. And, um, Heartstopper exists, and Love, Simon exists, and that uh, Kristen Stewart queer Christmas movie that came out a couple years ago. This is not groundbreaking. And when you, as the white cis gay man with the muscular mask appearing white cis gay boyfriend <laughs> love interest are touting this as some sort of like Marsha P. Johnson moment, it's really off-putting. It's like, dude, it's, you're just making a, a you know, you're making a Hallmark movie for wide release. That's basically and a step up. You're putting me. butt sex into it, so it's, which okay, good for you. Glad you worked all that in there, but um, stop, stop treating it like Stonewall. That's now, not I, what I, this is. I think I think it's great that you got a major studio to agree to do the movie, and I think that's amazing. That's, sure, that's great, but you can't expect people to come just because of that. I also think you probably should have cast someone like Chris Evans as your love interest. Oh but, my God, can you imagine? I mean. Yeah. Uh, this whole thing, everybody yeah. and it's gay. Well, okay, if that's your casting, then you're clearly not looking at box office because you don't right. have one right. name in the film. Luke McFarland, very good looking, but I have never seen a performance I know, because I, I don't watch Hallmark movies. I know, I always joke about this because I say, you know, there's a... M- huge difference between being famous being a celeb and being a major star right i always make the joke that my mom followed uh tom cruise on twitter right that tells you right there yeah what a major star is you know <laughs> well tom cruise would never do it but, no, um, but i'm not suggesting that... that it had to be a straight actor uh as the love interest but this cast needed some that, names that's in my it. point that's the point you need to find someone big right someone that you know, you know if you want to put matt bomer in there fine although right. he's not he's not an a-list movie star either but you know whatever but it would have to be someone big to make people go um and i agree i mean 
People are still not comfortable with gay stories. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they're they're maybe in their privacy of their homes before, you know, after every, everyone went to bed and you're watching by yourself. But no, you don't drive your little car with your whole family to see a move like that. I'm sorry, but that's the reality of it. Agreed. Now, shall we move on to the world yes. of fashion and controversy? Oh my God, yes, more. All right, what spurred this discussion on this idea to talk about this, and this was before Kanye even stepped out to do his show, his Yeezy show, where he showed up with right-wing provocateur Candace Owens, and they were oh both wearing God. White Lives Matter yes, t-shirts yes, with, yes, yes. with the Pope on the front of them or something? Yes, yeah. <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, but before that, the uh, Balenciaga show uh, was in Paris, it got a lot of press because. Um, well, the show got a lot of press yeah, because it, it, your thing. it's the uh, he decided to do a mud show, meaning that he covered the 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 entire runway. Who's he? Um, well, his name is Demna uh, Givazalia. Yeah, he's the new creative director of the sh- of the um, the house. Um, he's a new director. Uh, he decided to do a show with everything covered with mud, uh, the runway, everything uh, to create that look of <laughs> of you know dirt i guess uh and he posted i I forget if it was instagram or wherever um that the whole idea was that first of all that he was tired of explaining his work you know as they always say that he wanted to create something that was a metaphor for digging for trust and being down to earth i wish you could see my face right now that's his words not mine and that there's more make love not war oh my god how original so that was the whole idea, and everybody was talking about it and how innovative and created and groundbreaking it okay, was. Okay, so let me just interject and say, <laughs> I saw this, and I hated it on sight, and <laughs> I, that was the part, point where I thought to myself, this this is why people hate the world of fashion, that this is why that you do yourself no good when you mount one of these shows. Uh, it plays into every stereotype about the world of high fashion, and the, as someone who writes about you know to to a certain extent about this stuff it just makes it very hard to defend as far as i'm concerned i i I just hated it on sight uh i don't think fashion shows need to be like uh you know the old french salon style where it's just women in in rooms parading holding a number exactly i mean i love that (laughs) i fucking love it and i also don't think it has to be you know a sort of you know 2010 era sort of runway uh, extravagant but um i don't mind theatricality in runways i have sat through several runway shows that were breathtakingly beautiful I mean, and I, brown right and i've seen other runway shows you know videos of other shows where i'm like holy cow the the artistry on work here on display here but um when it's a show like this where it is it is uglifying everything the entire vibe of the scene is just mm-hmm. ugly they are trudging through mud right right that's all that the show is is models in high fashion trudging through mud and let me just explain one thing that's why we <clears throat> i didn't post it on the site because and that's why i also want to explain this because sometimes people ask why haven't you posted this show or that show uh, i only post show that i think that the clothes are interesting right because i mean you look at so many collections and there's the same boring stuff like that's why i don't post chanel much because right. it's the same looks same boring stuff balenciaga was the same thing if you look at if you're looking at the clothes you forget the the whole mud thing they're just basic and not very interesting. Which, yeah, so you've got to resort to this bullshit. And like I said, I don't mind spectacle in the world of runway shows and that sort of thing. I truly don't. But um, uh, I feel like you're... Um, 
I, it's hard. I don't think a runway show should be an art installation. I truly don't. You are there to sell a product. You can do it in as highfalutin right. a way as you want. But the, at the bottom, the end of the day, if you don't make money from this, you'll never get to do it again. Everything, it's right. all a financial right. action that's going on here. You're a business. So you can do any sort of extravaganza you want, but when you start doing things like this where it's clear you think you're supposed to be commenting on modern blah, 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 right. blah. I, I'm sorry, no. No, 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 no. Sell I, your I dresses. Never li- I never liked it. I mean, I understand you're why not you want to do it because there is this pressure to be creative and to right. do something different and groundbreaking. I mean, you remember the line from the, the movie, uh, the September issue, the Vogue movie, you know, that, just, oh, floral for spring, groundbreaking. Because, no, that's from that's yeah. from The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting the movies confused. Yeah. Anyway, so supposedly Anna Winter in the movie says, you know, right. um, groundbreaking, Flora. My point is that you're always trying to do something different, you know, that will shock people or that will make people talk the next day, <laughs> um, as opposed to just creating great clothes. And you see that a lot. I've seen, you know, you we've seen a ton of shows and I've seen shows where they have live music and I'm like, why? Um, you know, stuff right. like that. I, it's just not my thing. Right. And when they try to make these political statements, it's even worse, I think, because you're silly people. You're silly people. You are silly people. <laughs> yeah, you're, right. you're silly. Yes, you make billions of dollar type of industry. Right. But you're all silly. You're all silly. And very, very, very self-centered. <laughs> true i was part of that world we were for a long time we don't go to shows anymore or at least we we gave it a break um uh, i'm not saying i'm not going I, I love fashion i'd love to go back i again, love the but, people who create fashion but i, I remember do. i remember attending the oscar Lorenta show and i remember the pr person for the oscar Lorenta show turning to me at some point and said well now you're part of the family and i was thinking about it like you know and it, it is fun. It's it's this high energy and everybody's very hyped up, you know, like um, it's just it's it's fantastic. Right. But but uh, but the whole thing is very hypered up and blah, 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 the whole thing is just this creative, I don't know, explosion. Right. But I remember thinking, like, I can't ever go home and, and talk to my family or friends about this because no. it, 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 will, it will sound so silly right? if I explain what's going on here, the way people are dressed, what's going on, right. you know. What's the, considered important in this What's scenario. considered important right now in, right. in these 12 minutes of presentation. Right. Uh, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, but... So, yes, that moment with the Balenciaga show, I just looked at it and thought, oh, I hate this. I hate everything about it. It's it's the worst part of it. Fa- and you never hear me or us really talk about fashion in such negative terms. But that kind of shit annoys me. And it does not help the world of fashion at all. Not really. In that in that same line of thinking, and this is why it turned into a podcast discussion, was because Kanye came out during his Yeezy show in mm-hmm. the, this White Lives Matter shirt. And we, I said this to you, we wound up tweeting it out, that this is just an indictment of the whole fashion community because they will put up with, not just put up with this shit, they will kiss the ass of this man. Right. Or protect um, him. Because yeah. he gets press. Yeah. He is shocking. And that, that is the thing about these very silly people in fashion. Um, some people in that world, like I would say the um, Andre Leon Talley's of that world, uh, uh, they really are in love with the idea of beauty. Mm-hmm. And, and they feel that that is the goal uh, of fashion is to create beauty. But there are so many other people in that world, and Anna Winter is one of them, where it's more about being shocking, being next, 
being new. And in that vein, they will embrace almost anything because he's shocking, you know, that sort of thing. Or justify it, you know, with some bullshit argument. Um, Right. They'll bull, yes, exactly. If it gets them press, if it gets seats, it gets asses in seats at shows, or if it moves product in department stores, uh, they will put up with a lot of shit. Now, um, Vogue got involved in this because Kanye went after a Vogue editor. I'm sorry. Do you have her name in front yes, of you? Yes, I do. It's Gabriella Carefa Johnson, I believe. Yes. Um, um, she's a black Vogue editor who took him to task. And, and she's, she's a also stylist. A stylist. She's yes. a stylist. Who took him to task on her um, social media for she the White the Lives show. Matter. She attended yeah. the show. I, let me just explain a little over. bit the, the show. Kanye, he has his shows, as he always does, you know, every uh, fashion season. So this time he decided to wear this shirt that says that has the Pope uh, on the front of the shirt, and and I forget what it says, selling it or buying it, something like that in Spanish. I forget what it says, and on the back says, you know, White Lives Matter, and uh, he invited a couple people, including Candace, uh, what's her last name, Owens, right? Yeah, Candace Owens. Oh, yes, and she's also wearing the shirt, blah blah blah, and they they posed, and it just shocked everyone, and then later I found out that not just them some of the models or at least one model wore the shirt a black model a black model to go down the runway and which is like my god what were you thinking anyway so all this happened and the internet exploded he has a ton of fans so they all defended him um then of course all the uh you know very conservative people uh, decided to, you know, showcase that as right. as an example. They loved oh, it. They loved it. Oh, look, black people think that white lives matter and then just went with it. It exploded. So uh, Gabriella uh, attended the show um, because she works for Vogue and she was just shocked. She was just shocked with what she saw um, and decided to write about it. And, you know, she and if you read her review, if you read what she had to say, actually it wasn't a review. I think she posted a video also um, while she was attending the show that she was trying very hard to understand the the purpose of it. Right. And and I think a lot of of the fashion editors or people there asked him, what what's you know what's the story here? And he refused to explain. Right. Um. Because you know there's no explanation there. Right. Uh. You just went shocked. Um. And um. So she wrote this kind of negative i guess uh review or take on it and and he just went right after her um attacked her on uh, on on instagram uh yes because she posted a video on instagram and, and in the most horrible way he uh got her picture attending the event and made fun of her the, what she was wearing right he got a close-up of her shoes her boots and said you know anna winter would hate this ha 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 he was just mocking her right and it was just uh, to his millions and millions of followers yes, it was just horrible and they you know they follow along and and criticize her and went after her uh it was just Vogue really released bad. a statement right um which was ostensibly in support of her so they were speaking oh and it should be noted that because uh, i thought it was amazing Gigi, Gigi Hadid. Hadid, yeah uh, the model Gigi Hadid called him out in the comments on his uh, Instagram and really took him to task for being an asshole and a bully, which 
clearly no one in fashion is willing to do this. Right. Uh, Vogue came out and they sort of denounced it, but they also said that um, the two of them had sat down and and, and she got to voice her mm-hmm. concerns with him. It was a very sort of corporate sort of take. And then Kanye came out and said that uh, they had made up and everything was yeah. fine. It's still up on his... I'm, I'm just going to talk about what you can still find because he posted so many horrible things and deleted all of them, but right. that's when he kept it up there on his Instagram account that they, they met at a restaurant in New York um, and that they had a nice conversation, blah, 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 and that they, you know, they... Oh, and then I quote him here. We apologize to each other uh, for the way we made each other feel she has not released a <laughs> statement to as far as the we're recording right now so things could yes, change. i'm sure could they change, will change, change but but as is, of right now she has not confirmed this. yes now confirmed he called her oh she's my sister now i mean he's just so delusional and about the whole thing look i'm not calling her out i don't know her and she doesn't know me anything but uh the fashion world well i mean when i'm talking about these this right. editor she can handle this however she wants um but the fashion world will gloss over this. They will accept right. it. I, Anna Winter will sit front row at his next show. None of this will no, hurt no. him and because, it, as you noted, they're very silly people. Well, that's the thing. Brands sell. They sell clothes, and yeah. and you know they and those brands they buy advertise. Right. Know? So it's an industry making money left and right. Right. And and you get things like that. I remember Kathy Horn, another uh, fashion uh, editor. She was banned. You know, from several shows like George Armani, she, you know, they would never call her again because she had some bad reviews. And um, so that, that's how it works. I mean, we once got disinvited <laughs> because we wrote something negative on our site and, and the uh, the fashion house or the designer decided, you know, we don't want these guys anymore. But, you know, then they changed their mind, blah, blah, blah. But my point is that I, I see that that has happened, you know, for a long time, but it, but I see it happening more and more now with social media. I think you can't criticize anything. You can't be a critic anymore. You can't do your job anymore. I mean, um, there's these artists are creating these products, and and look at what happened with Don't Worry, Darling, and and with Bros, and now with with Kanye. You create something, and then you attack people who have a different opinion or or don't like what you did. You right. see that a lot right. uh, going on in social media. And it's just, it's off-putting because I feel like that's that's how I feel about Don't Worry, Dal. I mean, there was so much bullshit around the movie that I don't feel like watching it anymore. Um, it's just like, okay, you know, people w- will not like what you do. Right. You just have to get used to it. Agreed. Um, I believe we've beaten all of these to death. Is yeah, there anything I just, else you want to add? I do want to add one more thing about Kanye. I am in no place or I'm not the person here to talk about if he's right or wrong, you know, expressing his opinion as right. about uh, Black Lives Matter. In fact, he says, you know, and I quote him, is also on his Instagram, tear a black man down for actually having a different political opinion. That that's what but they're that's doing. That's why he pulls these stunts yes. so he can say that. Yeah, so that he can say that, and you know he's it's a black a man. I mean, I'm not gonna. I what am I gonna say? You know, you're right, you're wrong. I'm not in that position here. Uh, I do feel that it's provocative and that done in in not a great way because you really don't have an explanation why you're doing this. Right. Uh, you're really not making a statement here. You're just doing it to shock people, and and I don't know. I feel bad. For the people who are trying so hard to get representation to be seen and be respected, 
and then you have someone from your own community doing something like that. I mean, I would feel the same way if someone gay did something, you know. Right. In that way. Um, anyway, so yeah, it is very sad. And I think that, I don't know, I think people pay too much attention to what this man does and, and says. But I agree. Anyway. And I mean, we just devoted a third of a exactly. podcast to him. So well, I guess we are guilty of it as well. Anyway, um, that's it. We've beaten all of these topics to death. We'll be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desk. But until then, take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.